0: Welcome to the Nexodus podcast. We're going back in Genesis chapter 13. Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him, and went into the south. So Egypt is in the top right corner of the land they call Africa, or the land of Ham, and he went south. We have to sit there and really begin to understand how the Most High moves, that everything is cyclical. Everything that he does is cyclical. So in Genesis chapter 2 gives you a synopsis of how the Most High created the garden and where he formed man from the dust or from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's Genesis chapter uh, 2 verse 7. Then it goes into the description. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. From there, it was parted and it became four different lakes. And one of them in verse 13 says, and the second river was Gihon, the same that encompasses the whole land of Ethiopia, the whole land of Ethiopia. Then it talks about the third uh, river. Then it talks about the fourth, which is Euphrates. There are some evidence that is showing that the Euphrates River is in the western part of the garden, a.k.a. Africa, a.k.a. Ghana in the upper Volta region. There's older maps that suggest that that could be the location. So during that time period, you had Abram moving out of Egypt because he had experienced a famine. After the most, High told him to start going south. He started going south. He had He had a famine. He went to a place that he knew had resources that has been there for a long time. That's Egypt or Misraim. So Abraham, chapter 13, verse one, and Abraham went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle. So he's going back into the south. So you're seeing a pattern going on. And this is why the Most High walked with Abram, because he understood the ways of the Most High. And I've been studying. More in the book of Jasher has given me a really good synopsis of the times when Abram was growing up, how he spent time with the elders and they taught him the ways of the Most High. Imagine spending time with Noah. Imagine spending time with Shem. These were the superhumans, as I called them, before the flood happened. And then we decreased in our abilities and our powers to interface, but still was at a significantly high level when uh, Abraham was around. Because Abram was dealing with um, Nimrod, who was Amraphel. And we're going to talk about him shortly when we get into the warfare stage of things. And that's coming in the next chapter. But before I get there, in chapter 13, you're seeing the cyclical nature of Abram trying to get back to the original space that the Most High created. One of the prime locations that is still at the highest vibration to this day. That gives us an idea and solidifies where the garden is. Is in Ethiopia. Ethiopia is nowhere else but on the continent. So this is all happening on the continent. It, it never left the continent. Then in we push forward. Four, five, six. Now we're in chapter 13. Where's Abraham trying to go? After he had left there in 12, he hit a famine. He was going south. He goes down north. He goes down north to meaning elevation, higher plane as you go towards South Africa. Going down into egypt going down north so the the way we do things is a little different here as far as geography you you have to look at it a a bit differently but as you sit with the text a little more and dig a little at the granular levels and then see what you could find as a verifiable fact now it helps bring more life and understanding to the scriptures so abraham goes into egypt settles there was walking in that divine covenant the, the Pharaoh says, you got to go because all that you're doing is going to bring more trouble to us. He understood Abram's bloodline. He knew he was from the line of Shem. He knew that Shem, the brothers, had their own little discourse or their own sorts of beefs and fights and promises and sorts of prophecies that have been placed based on what Noah had said. Remember, Noah had cursed Canaan and said that you're going to be a servant of all the brothers. And Canaan is in the continent dealing with Ham. If we're gonna go that route, Ham is on the continent. So when the Most High said, "You will be," I will give you the land of Canaan to Shem. Shem seed, Abram. Abram's going to what? The promised land in Canaan. So that's why he would walk according to those principles. He's walking in covenant. That's in alignment with what Noah said. So you have this reverberation, and that's why the power showed up because he understood. How the Most High laid things out. See, knowing the ways of the Most High, knowing how he operates. And he spent, Abram spent a lot of time with Shem. He spent a lot of time with Noah all the way up into his 50s. So around this time is when he's in Egypt or Kemet or Misraim, which the sons of Ham is Cush, Misraim, Put, and Canaan. So Misraim, he goes, where does Abraham go? He goes into Misraim he goes into that land the land that's a- allotted to that individual who was the son of ham which was in in other studies is the son of japheth but ham has been placed there and that could be a translational error or that could have been done on purpose to offset um the covenant which i believe is both so anyway uh, that, that's what the the evidence would suggest because in Genesis chapter nine verse twenty seven, it says that Japheth and Shem shall dwell together because they didn't do they didn't mock their father when he was drunk but Ham did, and you learn more about Ham's ways and characteristics and you begin to question if Ham is really supposed to be on the continent but off the continent um, in the other lands, the Gentile lands that is associated with Japheth. In this particular, in this current translation that we have. But that's some of the deeper studies that we're doing that is helping us realize what's going on. But I want to, I'm jumping back into some of the other chapters to bring context to Abram. So Abram, in chapter 13 now, he understands those covenants. He understands whose land belongs to who. So he steps in divine order based on what Noah had been Given what has been promised to his seed line, once you understand who you are from bloodline space and you understand the way the Most High created the heavens and the earth and how he established certain lands for certain peoples. A lot of the reasons why we're having problems at, quote unquote, the borders is because this land before settlement, before colonization, before conquistadors, before New Spain, before the coming of any of those peoples coming into this region, it was Aztec, Mayan, Inca, all the way from the top of the what we call now the North America all the way into the South of America. So when they're at the border trying to come in, it's because this is their lands that the High has given them. Their, their actual DNA is connected to the food. Their DNA is connected to the region. So you're going to automatically navigate like magnets, just like animals do. We are given specific lands based on our blood type, based on our lineage, our families. He said he divided the earth based on language, their seed. That's all in in Genesis chapter 10, how he talks about how he divided their lands. Genesis chapter 10, verse 32. These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations and their nations. So most, I gave them bloodline, then their nations, land, and the nations were divided in the earth after the flood so that's a key statement that pushes us into that the full narrative as things continue to move forward so Abram travels out of Mesopotamia as we said in our last podcast that is in the western part Shem's land western part of Ghana Burkina Faso Ghana Judea all that is Shem land then he crossed over to the east and went or first of all he went south so Abram left or the Chaldees Mesopotamia area, which the evidence is suggesting, and we're becoming more convinced as the Most High continues to reveal to us clarity, bringing clarification that that was in the western part of the land we call Africa. Burkina Faso, Niger, Ghana, Nigeria, all that western part there. Because remember, if we take it a step back, Genesis chapter 2, it talks about the river Hiddekel, Gion, Pishon. All of those are rivers, the, the forehead that runs throughout the garden. Now, does it go into other lands? Possibly, because you have Pangea, you have other so many different factors that could be involved. So I'm not going down that foxhole, but I'm, we're, we're just doing a synopsis and looking at things from a principle standpoint. So if you have all those rivers, and you circle back to uh, what Abram was doing as he left Era of the Chaldees. He went south. Then he hit a famine, goes up north, stays in Egypt for some time, ran into some issues because spiritually he was at a different level. He had a different covenant and it was infecting and affecting the area he was in that it all. It went all the way to their leadership. And they said, hey, you can go take all your stuff and go. And that's where we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 13, where it says, and Abram went out of Egypt, he and his wife, all that he had in Lot into the south and Abram was rich in cattle silver and in gold and he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel unto the place where where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Neha. so he already went there ran into a famine came back to the specific place get back on course. I hit a famine, I had to regroup, and I'm coming right back the same way because I know from a bloodline standpoint what the Most High has promised. And as long as I'm walking in a covenant to that, even when I go off, the Most High will bless and will prosper me. And the earth will align itself with the promise because it's already been set and settled. That's why most people do well amongst their own people. But if we can spread you apart and you're not connecting with your people, you can never prosper and grow but if you stick with your own, you grow, you can connect with other human beings, but you're gonna be more powerful in your own. That is resembled in science, that's resembled in nature, that lions hang with lions, bears are with bears, they're gonna procreate, they're gonna be able to facilitate, they're gonna be able to eat. Lions operate in prides, you never just see one, you never see zebras by themselves so that they can trot the earth accordingly, protect one another, do commerce among each other, so forth and so on. And once that's broken, that's when you have dissipation. That's where you have desperation and you have a destruction. And that's what the people, the seed of Abram, the people who have been scattered to the four corners of the earth, the firstborn of creation, has been experiencing for such a long time. But the most high made a promise. And he said, I'm going to bring them back to this land. And we're going to run into that in chapter 15. So let's keep going down in chapter 13. And he placed an altar. And he sacrificed and called on the name of the Most High and he made an altar. And then you could see there's some conflict between Lot's growth and Abram's growth. You can be both growing in the same area and it becomes a conflict if you don't know how to manage and how to expand, evolve and grow. And sometimes that will be different. It will uh, cause you to look to move beyond your family structure and you have to make tough decisions at times because you're not necessarily you know people say uh people grow apart it's not just growing apart but it's growing up and some people are stagnated some people are stuck some people are satisfied and that's okay you have to learn to detach and move forward that's what my cousin and I were talking about this morning during the earlier part of the sabbath is learning to detach from emotion and learning to flow with the most high seeing and observing the environment aligning oneself and moving and that's the power that our ancestors are explaining to us or showing us through the scriptures anybody who was born on the continent those are ancestors so we know that these people in the scriptures that we refer to as abram moses david all these names they reflect ancestry to one degree or another and you have to tap into the spirit of what they're doing the the principles that they live by in order to begin to understand the ways of the most high and that's what we're attempting to do through these nexodus podcasts is to move us from a realm of the flesh but to move into the spirit and remember the definition of spirit is not just religious spirit is mindset way of being a principle-centered life applied is what we're looking and how we're striving to become so that we can see the evolution. We can see the growth in ourselves and the growth in connection with the Most High, with nature, with others, with our community, and with other nations. So the land couldn't bear both of them and they began to strife amongst each other. And Abram, being wise, understood that the Canaanite, which was supposed to be his land based on what Noah said would happen amongst the brothers. So remember, this is internal fight. This is a internal fight battle all groups have their internal battles so this is an internal battle so sometimes when we read the scripture we say well why is God allowing other people to take this portion of the land and destroy these people and so forth and so on if you look deeper through it you're going to find out that first of all his ways are not our ways like just the fact that people do fight war rumors of war as we're hearing so much right now there's so many different wars going on certain wars are getting more um, play or more focused than others But that's all done purposely and has its own agendas behind it. But ultimately, the wars are beyond the carnal or the physical. But these are spiritual wars. And this is what the Savior was trying to teach us. This is what Paul has been trying to teach us. And we're going to learn more about those spiritual wars as we come through. But the first war was happening right here. Abram and Lot. And Abram was wise. Abram was wise to say, hey, look, you take one part of the land. I'll take the other part. We're not going to fight. And as soon as he made that decision, the Most High appeared to him and said, listen, I'm going to bless you and give you all the land and that the seed you're going to multiply. You're going to have nations, nations upon nations. Some of the names of those nations are here to this day, but we don't know their full names or we're learning their names now. And it won't be just stuck in one specific name that we've been um, taught, whether it's in the scripture saying it's Israel or it's Jewish or it's all these different terminologies. He said nations, even to Ishmael, which we're going to learn about shortly. Nations, nations. This is multiplication. After Noah and the flood, they had their growth spurt. And then Abram goes south, heading south. Where is he going to? He's going back to Ethiopia. He's trying to get back to the center of what the Most I had to his ancestor. Who? Adam trying to get back to the garden, trying to get back to the flow, get back to the land that the Most High promised to him that was centered in that middle in the continent. So we're seeing that the Most High has a special hand on this particular land. And we see even to this day that so many know that of all the resources, the resources there are plentiful. So when you read about him having gold and silver, and it all aligns itself. It makes sense. So we move into verse, uh, 13, verse 15. 15 of chapter 13, for all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it into thy seed forever. So the seed of Abram will inherit that land forever. Some of them are there and don't know that they're there. Some of Abram's seed is still spread throughout the earth, but the most high did promise back then. And we're seeing it come to pass manifesting in one way or another that the seed that has been scattered is coming home, coming back to the land. Now, the land can be anywhere in the, in the whole earth because the Most High controls the whole earth. But there's a special covenant that he has with that particular land, the land that they call Africa, the land that is connected to the garden because the Most High's word is forever. And when he says something, that's what it is. So if we're in the garden, we're seeing that Abram is trying to get back to that center from Egypt, went down south, which would mean he would have to hit the land of Ethiopia. Now, Ethiopia is not the particular state that we're in right now that we call Ethiopia there in East Africa, but it will encompass that area as well, because that's the fingerprint I told you about, that the tracing, that even to this day, the name has been sustained because the Most High made so, so that his children can be able to discern his ways, even though the, the book has been tampered with, has been re- mistranslated, retranslated, however you want to cut that. But you still see the Most High superseding it all. And Abram, he said to thy seed as the dust of the earth, verse 16, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then they shall see us, then shall thy seed be numbered. Arise, walk through the length of the land and the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. And then verse 18, then Abram removed his tent and kept and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is Hebron, and built an altar there. And as I said last week, I've had an opportunity to go to a place that I believe is the actual Mamre and some of the landmarks there, the evidence would suggest and what some of the missionaries have done that this place is the particular Mamre because they could have done that in any other place before it to be specifically mentioned as being the place where Abraham was and that it's in the South and some of the other portions that we see that give a little bit more credence to that particular, um, notion that this could be the place is that there's caves around there is in the south it's not too far from bethel that we believe is where abram was in south africa ai with the jordan river all these locations are all popping up in the same area jerusalem by the kalahari desert there's so much happening and that has been revealed as to where the actual locations may be and i'm highly convinced that the holy land or the land of promise that abraham walked in and that the scriptures refer to is in the continent and looking for Um, more and more clues and ways that are solidifying that this is the land. And I'm fully convinced that is that is the case. But I will approach it from a scholarly level. But I would ask that you go in and you do the research yourself. I'm not here to try to convince anybody or to debate with anyone about these locations. These are something that I feel spiritually connected to that I've done my own research on and that I'm seeing and trying to find all the metrics to solidify that these locations are the particular spots that the scriptures is talking about praise his name. So we go to Genesis chapter 14 and now you're having wars. Soon as Abram comes out, wars are happening war war. And it says, and it came to pass Genesis chapter 14, verse one, and it came to pass that in the days of Amraphel king of Shinar. And if you read early in Genesis chapter 10, it says that, the king of Shinar was Nimrod. And the book of Jasher says that Amraphel is Nimrod. So this is Nimrod and his camp mixing with the um, Chetolomar, and title king of nations that they came up against Bera and Bersha, which were the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And there was a war going on. It was like a different ranking. And that reminds me there was earth without form and void and darkness on the deep that there must have been some sort of time lapse of the war in the heavens that Ezekiel refers to, that Isaiah talks about, that even the Savior says, I saw Satan fall like lightning, and that Paul talks about. And I want to reference two scriptures to remind you that anytime you've seen these wars in the physical realm, we always trace it through history. And we say there's been religious wars for thousands of years, from the medieval times and beyond, from the 300s of Constantinople, And the different holy wars, the crusades and the Muslim wars, there was wars going on and it was always tied to what they say religion. But if you dig deeper into religion, what is that? That spirituality, which would go even further into the unseen realm, that there's a war of of forces. And it's not a, a as we know as human beings, good versus evil, as in there's an equal power. No, there's just the yieldedness toward Anything that's contrary to the Most High is going to be falling into the realms of darkness. You go outside of the presence. So remember when the Most High left the garden, he, he would come down in the cool of the day, commune with Adam and Eve directly. And then as they began to seek outside, because the Most High gives us the power of free will. That's a part of our divine being as being in his image. We have the power to create and to choose. And the Most High gives us room to do that within this realm and within certain boundaries. That's why we only live in this physical space, but for a time. And then we go back into spirit space, back into the bosom where the Most High dwells in all eternity. It's very difficult to explain in human terms, but there's always a war, a psychological war, if you want to say that, which is still spiritual before it moves into physical Case in point, this, the most easiest way to understand that, if I come up to you, you know, when I was growing up, if they say your mama, people would be like, what would you say about my mama? Or that's why I did that to your girl. Or why did you or whatever you want to say to try to trigger somebody, it's spirit first. And then it physically shows up through a punch or a slap or just like these nations. Anytime they want to get resources or they feel they're being threatened or they feel like their territory has been invaded. It usually starts with cease and desist or stop or this, or if you're infringing or you're breaking this code or this law or this international, this or whatever, it's always starting in spirit space, word, and then it moves into action. If this doesn't happen, then we're going to do that. If you go physical for physical, then that's how it's going to be. But it always starts in the spirit space. So we're seeing here this war that's going on with the kings of Amraphel and Chetelomar, An alliance came up against a smaller alliance. So Paul gives you the breakdown in spirit space of how the spiritual realm operates. And you'll see similarities in the physical realm. Now, I'm not going to go into the specific names and the areas. But remember, everything starts in spirit space. Then the Most High divided the nations and gave each land their particular place to dwell. And then so forth and so on from there. So there's this this pecking order of um, governing bodies that submit to one another in one way or another or are bound to one allegiance to another. Just like we have in our systems, you have a mayor, then you have a governor, then you have a president. I know there's more in between, but you see those levels there Or you have a lieutenant, you have a general, you have a court. You have different ranks. And Paul talks about that a lot in the book of Ephesians or Ephesus when he was in greco-roman spaces so he understood the temple of apollo he understood the way the greeks thought and it's very important to understand the greek thought process because the greco-roman culture has so much root in the way that we have been taught in the way that we perceive things so when we look at it from that perspective and see some of the writings of the earlier centuries 3 ad 12 ad 55 ad we're in 2024 or 2023 ad so If you can understand the root and you see the patterns throughout time and history, you can understand and know how to align yourself to the ways of the Most High and what's happening in the earth realm. And this is a very peculiar time we're living in because there's a shift happening based on pattern, based on prophetic utterance, based on signs, based on mindsets, based on all these different factors. The Most High is revealing himself again to give the few... Uh, The few could be millions, but he's given to his chosen seeds the way out so that they can come out like he's always done, like he's always done. He doesn't change. He's the same forever. You just have to know him or know his ways. So in, in Ephesians chapter two, Paul says in verse chapter two, verse one, and you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin. So it says in Ephesians chapter two, verse two, in which you used to live. Where you would follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. So there is spiritual forces that are guiding, leading, controlling, moving, influencing everybody on the earth. And if we understand that, which is remember, once again, thought processes, philosophies, ways of being, all those things are controlling the way we operate and the way we move. So chapter two, he talks about the prince of the power of this air, the prince of the power who controls the air, who controls the mindset that controls the airways. However, you want to cut that up. He said the devil been thrown to the earth realm and controls that environment, controls the, the, the current thought process. He says the God uh, is the world who blinds the, the hearts and minds of people from receiving the knowledge of the truth. That's in Corinthians chapter 10. He blinds the hearts and minds of men from being able to see the truth. To, so that he knows you can get into error, get out of the way of the Most High, so that he can have more control. As he did with the firstborn, Adam and Eve, he got them to digress, transgress, go for knowledge on your own, outside of your already divine intuition and understanding and go for your own, be your own. You could be your own God like I tried to be. So you see that same pattern continuing to to over lap in human existence over and over again and then there's certain levels so you go to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 it says finally be strong in the most high and in the in his mighty power and put on the full armor that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes so he is recognizing that there are negative forces that are always trying to destroy or trying to convince you to step out of your divine nature To follow his way so he can control, so he can manifest, so he can operate in this earth realm with highest potential to try to satisfy that desire to be like the most high, to be the most high, to control, to destroy, to create or to manipulate because they can't create. The devil can't create anything. He just manipulates things. He foresees, proceeds, uh, foresight. Understands human being, very intelligent being from that standpoint it has taught as Enoch says the different angels that fell and he tells the higher ranks their names with Sinjaza and some other names um, and they, they rebelled against the most high and that was during Noah's time so we're just past Noah's time now we're in Abram's time and we're seeing the manifestation of fighting and in Ephesians this is further on, this is in the New Testament just using him as a reference point, he says in, in Ephesians chapter 12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, one group, authorities, against powers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms, meaning realms we can't see. So that's four different groups. Just like in our um, particular service departments, you have the army, the navy, the marines and the Air Force, right? Those are four divisions. And then in those divisions, you have platoons, you have battalions, you have generals, you have corporals, you have lieutenants, you have all the different ranks. And this is what you're seeing in Genesis chapter 14. Now I'll go back to Genesis 14. You're seeing these kingdoms fighting against each other. And in the spirit realm, there is a, a an allegiance and a connection to every group. There is a spiritual force that controls or influences or has r- direct access to that individual we see that in Daniel chapter 10 he said that the Prince of Persia and the Prince of Greece withstood stood me that the angel Michael came to help me and this is when Daniel was praying during the times they were in captivity under the Babylonian Empire which would still be on the continent but that's another conversation because Babylon has been placed in different areas so the evidence is suggesting in what we're doing our research on that that's still on the continent, but we're not going down that pathway right now. But the point is that there are principalities and powers that have control over nations, portions of nations, areas. So when you go into certain areas and you sense certain things or certain things are happening in that particular area, you have to understand, we have to dig deeper to know what, what, what happened on that land. What were the people doing that opened up the portals as we've been hearing or have opened up the the avenues through which the fallen can come in and begin to possess, oppress, suppress, control those regions? What types of worship, what type of acts have been done? What type of rituals, what type of ceremonies have been done? to create an environment where it solidified a certain presence to be there and that's what's happening in these wars with Abram and Abram because he understood those was able to go in and save Lot and fight against Nimrod now there that is a whole there's a whole lot about that in the book of Jasher how Abram's father was a part of Nimrod's army and how Abram wasn't a weak dude by any stretch of the imagination for him to take 318 of his own men who had been trained in his house, which is important. He had his own kind of militia of a sort, if you want to put that, or he had protection. The most high gave him his people and they warred. And then after they had defeated the kings and helped Sodom and Gomorrah through the fight with a larger group of people, because of covenant, the most I was on his side and gave him the authority in those spaces. So Abram was able to resist and destroy because he had the skills and he had the covenant. He had skillful covenant. He not only taught them skillfully how to fight, but he also and to be tactical and how to strategize. But he also knew that we are people of covenant. And based on what was promised to our sea line, this is what we are supposed to do in order to make this happen. So they were able to align with those particular things and were able to defeat Nimrod and his crew, which was much bigger, which had a larger army. They had like the scripture talks about in in Jasher that he had like 600, 700,000 people and was destroyed by Chetul Omar, who only had 5,000. So you could see the most I could be with you. And this is different from these wars here we're talking about in Genesis 14. But the point is, the numbers is not what you depend upon. It's whose side are you on? What spiritual force have you connected with? And that's why the scripture says that it's not by my my power, but it's by my spirit. And that's why Paul said it is not by uh, it's not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. And it is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thought that that's the war is the war of the mind, the war of thought process, the war of philosophies. And once we understand how to war in that space and begin to think, raise our consciousness to a different level in spirit spaces and reconnect with the most high then the physical environment will continue to um, react and be put back in place, and that's what we're seeing happen. That light always shined on the darkness, and the darkness will not be able to comprehend, will not be able to stand, will not be able to be, because in the bar, in the beginning, it says, "And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not," I meaning it can't stand. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with the Most High, and the word was the Most High. And the same was the beginning. Then John talks about the light, how the light shined in the darkness. The king of all kings came and reigned in the earth realm to show us the way back to the kingdom, show us the way back to the father, bring us back to Eden, bring us back in alignment with our original state, concealing us. And remember that these covenants, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. I came to bring us back in alignment. And Abram was walking according to those laws. So that's why he was able to defeat the, the wicked one. And then it says, chapter 14, verse 17, And the king of Sodom went out and met with him after his return from the slaughter of Chedolamar and of the kings that were with him in the valley of Shaveth, which is the king's dale. And it says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salam, which when we look in Jasher, that's Shem, which is his great, 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 great Shem was still moving at that time. And he's the king of Melchizedek. But we can go into that study a little bit further brought forth food and wine, and was the priest of the Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And Abram gave a tithe. Why did he give him a tithe? Because he learned everything from them. Scripture talks about that. Jasher talks about how Abram spent a lot of time with Shem and learned from Shem. Learn the ways of the most high from Manoah. So he gave them a 10th. He reinvested back into where he got his power from and kept it in the family. Just it's a beautiful principle. He gave the tithe back to the people who showed him the way as an offering because he knew that they were going to give it back to the most high and replenish the earth, replenish the land so that the blessing and the alignment with the earth to physical in um, humanity and the way we would operate. Moved as one. Now in churches, they just made the tithe of bringing it into the church house. But at that time, even in Malachi, is talking about the storehouse. They were living in community. So when you gave into the storehouse, that was because that was our food bank. So anytime you're making money, put it back in. Put back in. Every time you take out, put back in. So then you never have without. And you create a wealth that now it can multiply and that everyone is pulling from. Genesis chapter 14 Abram says 1421 and the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take all thy stuff. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the most high. The possessor of heaven and earth. He always recognized and said the one who controls the heavens and the earth. And that's the one we're talking with today. The one that we are speaking of today is the one who created the heavens and the the possessor of heaven and earth. And he says that I will not take. One thread of a shoe latching. You see, I was specific <laughs> and to the point that I will not take nothing less. You will say that you made Abram rich. So Abram was self-sufficient. He moved by his own tune, by his own way, in his own nature. And according to the promise, he did not want anybody to begin to. In- Infringe on his relationship and begin to take the glory for the things that were happening with him, and my 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 plea and cry, as the Most High asks me so many times in the times past, do you trust me to build without needing anything outside of yourself? And that type of mentality is what the Most High is trying to rebirth in his seed again, in, in his children, that we would be completely dependent on the Most High, with our skills, with our abilities the way we function, the way we operate. That's what our ancestry, that's what Abram did. He became, he understood his riches came from the most high, the possessor of heaven and earth. And then he didn't want anything outside of it, lest that opened the door. Remember, once you make covenant with someone, you take something from someone. Now you've opened that doorway for whoever their gods are. Remember, he was just got defeated and I helped you out and you want to give me something so I can be in allegiance with you. I don't want to be in allegiance with you. You lose. (laughs) <laughs> you're a lower power. You're more like a um, you know, you're more like a mayor. And I'm a, a president and I'm not talking to mayors. I at least talk to a governor and I just beat Amrafel, a.k.a. Nimrod. I'm not finna fight with you and, and, and align with you now, No, You can give them their money. He said you can give the people who help me my alliances. They came through. You can give. He says save only the young men what they have eaten and a portion of the men. That were with me, Anur, Eskol, Mamri, place where I live, they rolled with me, let them get what they need. That's cool. I don't want none of that. And he kept moving forward. That's very powerful because you're seeing he knew that the Most High gave him the ultimate authority. So it's a spiritual warfare going on even when it shows up physically. So if you can psychologically, spiritually understand what is happening, then physically you'll know how to prepare, you'll know how to navigate and you'll begin to get the victory. That's on a macro or on a micro level. And that's what we've lost, but that's what the High is beginning to teach us. And then in chapter 15, after all of that, the High now comes up to Abram and says, Man, Abram, you're walking with me. Don't even fear. I am your shield and I'm your reward. I'm your protection. You may have only 318 men. You can have thousands of people against you. But David said in Psalm chapter 3, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, the most high will not deliver him. Verse three, but thou, O most high are a shield. How did he know that? Because he remembered what he spoke to his father, Abram. For thou art a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. You are my protection. You are my shield. And David stepped into that same authority that came from his forefather, that came from his ancestor a brown. Then he says, Psalms 3 verse 4 I called out to the Most High, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I laid down and I slept. I wake again because the most high sustained me. I will not fear of ten thousand assailants against me who have set themselves against me roundabout. For the most high will deliver me, strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. This is David speaking because he understood what Abram had received in promise of covenant. In verse Now we go back to Genesis chapter 15. He says, I am your fear not, I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. And Abram said, how am I going to be unless you haven't given me a seed? And the Most High begins to tell him that I'm going to give you a seed. I already told you I was going to give you seeds that will surpass everything. He said, go out, go outside. He brought him and said, look now toward the heavens and and tell the stars, if thou will be able to number them. And he said to him, thou, so shall thou seed be your seed is going to be like the dust of the seashore. He said that earlier. So he had to keep reaffirming to Abram because Abraham didn't see anything in the physical. He had no children. He was trying to get a child. He was trying to give it to Lot and Lot disappointed him. So he had to separate from Lot. And now he's like, all I have is Eliezer. I don't have no son. He said, no, you're going to have a child and you will be able to. Move forward, and I will. You'll be beyond it. But he's thinking I'm too old. How would I be able to do this? This seems impossible. He's going by his own mind, by his own wisdom, by his own understanding. But the Most High is saying, "I supersede the physical." So you need to be in the spirit and trust me for the physical to manifest. You stay in my word. You speak forth. You call upon me, because I am your shield and your seat and great reward. And as much as Abram's seed has been scattered throughout the earth and has been in captivities for all these years, the Most High has still sustained through all of the afflictions, through all of the segregations, through all of the wickedness. The Most High sustained the first seed. And though we can't touch the garden to this day because of our own disobedience, because of our own realignments and misalignments, false perceptions and misperceptions and miseducations and all those things that have set us up, has set us back. Most high saying I'm going to renew and I'm going to heal. I'm going to protect because of the covenant I made with Abram. So this chapter 15 is very key to our own success, our own sustainability. And like I said, many people claim to be the ones they claim this, they claim that. Not even our business. We are focused on what the scripture has said, what we are experiencing in real time, and what the Most High has promised. And we give room for the Most High to prove Himself strong, that He is the shield and exceeding great reward. And we watch. We proclaim. We war in the spirit. We align ourselves in action. We move in righteousness. And then we watch and we wait and wait for the Most High to come and show up and to show His glory. And this is the beautiful thing that is happening amongst us. So he's having this conversation with the Most High that I'm going to give you a son. He said, "Yes, I will." So then he offers a sacrifice, a covenant. That's why in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 9, he said unto him, "Take me an heifer three years old." This is the Most High telling what Abram needs to do to align himself through nature, through the sacrifice. And it's beautiful. How he talks about the heifer. He talks about the the goat talks about the ram talks about the turtle dove the pigeon he breaks all these things down this has its own depth in itself as far as the the, the covenant and the, the ceremony that is happening here and what it represents and then in verse 12 the most high as he obeyed the most high in that sacrifice and did exactly as the most high said in what type of particular sort of sacrifice a certain age a certain type unblemished three years old what was that three years old? That could be representing a couple of different things. I need, I'm going to study that a little bit further, but that can be dealing with three years outside, maybe from leaving Egypt. It could be a, a bunch of different things why the Most High wanted a particular sort. And I think we'll find out more about that when we get into the book of Leviticus and begin to understand why the Most High said, but I know most of the time when the Most High was asking for sacrifice, he was saying one that's unblemished, one that is perfect for my creative palate. When you give it back to me, It's going spirit back to flesh in a perfect synergy. And then when the camp eats from that perfected, perfected, unblemished food, it sends a shockwave. It sends nourishment. It sends connection back through there. And then you operate in your fully divineness because you're only top of the line. A1, everything. So that's the principle behind it. Chapter 15, verse 12 And then the sun was going down. A deep sleep fell over Abram and a great horror of darkness fell on him. He said, for know for surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land, in a land that is not theirs. Remember, I talked about a land that's not yours. Every people group has their lands, have their demarcation. Your seed's going to come out of this land and they're going to go out. Where is that land? He says south, chapter 13, south of Egypt. So he's in the continent, and he's saying, Your children are gonna come off this land to a land that's not theirs, and they shall serve, and they will afflict them four hundred years, and also that nation whom they serve, I will judge after that, and they shall come out with great substance, and thou shalt go to but thou shalt go to thy father and be buried in good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet fulfilled. The Cain syndrome. The the brotherly fight. He said, once that iniquity is fulfilled, because remember, whenever we do something, it reverberates into time, it reverberates into forever, and it starts cycles, three, four generations. So when the Amorite began to do wickedness, he says, because they are going to snitch, they are going to sell their own, they are going to do, they're going to be a part of this process. Once that is fulfilled, once that iniquity has run its course, then I'm going to start bringing them back to this land, and that's. Where we are in this time period, in this particular season. That's why we call it the Nexodus, because we're aligning back to scriptural principle and we're aligning back to covenant and the prophetic season that we are watching and we're praying. We're seeing and we're responding in prophetic movement, in application, in getting back to the land, in getting back to the covenants, getting back to the spaces where we can be in the atmosphere where the Most High is dwelling. So the Amorite things that happens sometimes have to go through its cycle before a new thing can happen is what we're learning here and he showed him that these things were going to happen amongst them and then it says in verse in that same day verse 18 in that same day the most High made a covenant with abram and said unto thy seed have i given this land from the river egypt once again still on the continent, to the river Euphrates, the great, unto the great river Euphrates, which we believe is in the western part of the continent, near Ghana. The Hittites, the Parasites, the Raphaelians, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, the Jebusites. So once Amorites and the the, the, the internal fights, once the snitches, the copos, the collaborators have been aligned and dealt with, then I'll start bringing them home. So When you talk most of the seeds and most of the people who have been scattered throughout the earth from the Holy Land, from the land of promise. He says to them, I'm going to bring you back. But not until the fourth generation, that's verse 16, until the iniquity, of the Amorites have been fulfilled because it has not yet been fulfilled. That iniquity, that sin that you gave your brother over, that's going to take some time to. Run its course And then once that's done I'm bringing it back And that's what's Happening here And I believe That was in 2020 When the Most High Broke the, the chain In the fourth generation Because remember It wasn't just 400 years These are cycles Of 400 years If you want to Really look into it. Thousands of years If you want to push it To Greco Roman occupation and brokenness even if you want to go even further back into the Assyrian and the Babylonian so there's so but that was warfare that was happening on the continent once we got off the continent was in the Greco-Roman space that's when we were under the captivity of a different bloodline different people group it was outside of the the jurisdiction of Afro peoples fighting amongst themselves whether you see it in the, the zoos or the Hutus and the Tutsis or the different people groups all over, the Ashanti's and the, all the different groups that were fighting amongst themselves. We see that in more modern times, but that's the same thing we're seeing in the scripture. So in verse sixteen, Abram is trying to now help the Most High with his wife. Made a mistake, or was not necessarily a mistake, but walked. He 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 moved by the flesh, and his wife tried to help the Most High, and ended up. Starting a seed line through Hagar, which was from Isma Misraim or from Egypt, where he had just come from and where he knew the power was. So he connected with her. She was a maid servant. She was one of the ladies that was helping Sarah. Ended up having a baby with her. They had some beef, squabble, blah blah blah. He's like, "You got to go." Hagar tries to run away, and then what? He she runs into the angelic. Why? Because the covenant. So the spiritual realm is going to always be on our side, walk in our spaces, be with us in alignment, and bring people into alignment when we're walking according to covenant. So he's like, now you got to go back. I understand what she's doing is not cool, but based on ABC and D, you need to come back and you'll be okay. And your son's still going to be blessed. He's going to be a son of many nations. He'll be able to do this. And he breaks that whole thing down. And that's in chapter 16. And she ended up going back. And Abram, verse 16, verse 16, Abram was 46 years old when Hagar bared Ishmael to Abram. So he had a, a son and he was like, OK, I guess we're moving forward. I'm, I'm walking in the promise. And he's like, "Nah, you you love Egypt. You love going to Egypt. You, we love going back to Egypt. That's been in our bloodline for a long time. Whether he went back to Egypt during the famine, when he was dealing with it in Bethel and AI, when he first stepped out and went back to Egypt and then caused some problems there. He had to get kicked out, came back down south. Now he deals with Hagar. He had to let her go. So him and Egypt, like we all do, we always want to go back to Egypt. You see the children of the firstborn later on when they're coming out of captivity, which we'll learn about when we get to Exodus, what do they want to do? They want to go back to Egypt. We always want to go back to Babylon. We want to go back to where we think is more comfortable, where it has the amenities, where the vanities are at high levels. So that we can stay in that environment. And the most high is like, no, nah, we can't do that. You need to go this way. So we'll pick it up in chapter 17 next week. And we'll talk more about this spiritual interface that's continuing to happen between Abram, the spirit realm, and the nations. All of it is a synergy and all connected to one another. I'll see you on the next podcast.